Could the New Orleans Pelicans win the Southwest Division? It might be closer than you think. Let's break it down in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, programming note for Locked On Pelicans. This month, we are going to be three days a week, so there will be a show Monday, a show Wednesday, and then I'm still going to do the live episodes Thursday night if you want to join in on them, and then they'll be available for you on Friday to count as that show. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here three days a week in the deep part of the offseason, five days a week normally covering everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, and it's going to be a fun season ahead. Zion Williamson's on board. Maybe the Southwest Division is a little bit more open than we realized. Make sure you're subscribed. Tell a friend about the show. And of course, leave a five-star review with the pod, uh, wherever you get your podcast with a comment. There we go. And of course, comment down below on YouTube. So let's take a look at the Southwest Division and go a little bit of kind of team by team based on how they finished last season to figure out exactly where the Pelicans will land. And look, I think there's two teams they are just very clearly ahead of. The San Antonio Spurs and the Houston Rockets. Starting with the Spurs, the Spurs are bad. They're going to be bad this season. This is not a team that is trying to win. They moved on from Deontay Murray probably sooner than they needed to, realizing he might not want to re-sign there. And frankly, even with him, they're still only a play-in tournament team at best, where they were fighting New Orleans for, right? They got into the play-in tournament too when New Orleans beat them in that first game. Then they moved Murray to the Atlanta Hawks for picks. They are very clearly tanking for Victor Winbinyama. They want him. They want the cornerstone guy, and I guess they didn't view Murray as that despite him being an all-star last season. So they've been a tough out in the past. They've always been competitive under Greg Popovich, but look, you don't trade away an all-star player like that for future picks, rebuilding pieces, you know, not even getting some good young guys in that deal in particular for the Spurs team. They wanted the picks, and that was really it. Very clearly, Popovich is on board with them trying to go through a rebuild and coaching up some of these young guys. So they're going to play hard, but they just don't have the talent there. I don't know if they're, you know, outright tanking, but it feels like they're kind of outright tanking. But certainly, they're not going to be going for the play-in tournament. So they're going to probably be at the bottom of the Southwest Division. The Houston Rockets are a little more interesting to look at. They have the collection of talent. Definitely. There's some talented young players on that roster. The thing is, half their roster is rookies or second-year guys. Their team is young and has no idea how to win. And we don't even really know like what fits exactly and what doesn't, right? They have four rookies on the roster right now. They have one, two, three, four, five guys who, they, who are going to be second-year players for this team. Then they have some other guys who are still really young, too, that haven't done any winning at the NBA level. You know, there's Eric Gordon there. That's the established veteran on the team. 
it takes more than that to, to win and to try and get into the playoffs. And I think you're going to really see a youth movement with some of the young guys that they have that they really like, that they want to get a lot of playing time, right? Alperin Shengun, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, maybe Tari Eason, maybe Ty Ty Washington are going to get a whole lot of minutes for this team as they really try and figure out who they have and what those guys are going to do. Even Jay Sean Tate's going to get significant minutes. Kevin Porter Jr. is. They're all young, though. And do those guys fit? We don't really know. So when you look at the Houston Rockets, there's a lot of questions about them despite having all of that young talent, at least for this season, right? When you look at that young roster, and again, half of it is guys that are either going to be rookies or second-year players, how good can they really be? Like, how good realistically can they be? Are they going to be getting the number one overall pick, they're going to be better than that. They're going to be better than the San Antonio Spurs and some of these other teams that are outright tanking. And I don't think Houston's going to be doing that this year, but they won 20 games last season. You know, maybe they're they're not outright trying to tank, but even if they take a huge leap forward, right? Where does that put them? 32 wins? That's 12 more than they had last season. And I even think that's going to be a stretch for this team that has some nice pieces, but like, so what? What are they kind of doing with it all? And I do like, you know, their coach, Stephen Silas, I thought did a very good job for them last season. You know, it definitely seems like he can kind of reach some of these young guys. But I just don't see them being realistically, like, good still. I think that's kind of a bit of the problem. So for sure, the New Orleans Pelicans are absolutely going to be better than both of those teams. They might give New Orleans trouble at times, and I'll be certainly annoyed with that at times this season when they lose inevitably to one of them or both of them at some point but they're going to be better than both of those two teams which puts them third in the southwest division so what about the other two teams the dallas mavericks and the memphis grizzlies i'll tell you i think dallas is really really catchable for new orleans let's get into that coming up here next in today's episode of locked on pelicans before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of something that is just truly awesome. And guess what? There's a new flavor. There's always new flavors. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate, except it's healthy for you. Let me introduce you to your new favorite, the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough with all the hassle of making it and all the bad things it's going to do to your body because it is healthy for you. The Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to Built.com right now to snag a box for you, the family, your friends, everyone, because this flavor is going to sell out. And like all Built Bars, the new Cookie Dough Puff Chunk is covered in 100% real chocolate. So that means it's healthy and delicious. I got these, they're awesome. It's just lined with like ch- little bits of cookie dough like you'd have in uh, ice cream on top of the protein bar. So it's healthy for you. It's low in sugar, low in carbs, but high in protein. And that's what Built does. They just make the best tasting protein bars out there. And all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of additional health benefits. So eat something that tastes good and is good 
for you. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or you just need a quick bite, I basically just eat one every day for lunch instead of a big heavy lunch. And I feel great. So Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than anything else. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15. It's the promo code I use. LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here normally Monday through Friday. Right now it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, live show Thursday for a Friday show during the off season. We're covering everything you want to know about this team. We're even talking Southwest Division and where the Pelicans uh, stack up today. But we crushed it in the draft. Talked a lot about free agency, then why it was going to be quiet for New Orleans. I've gone deep in depth on what the Zion Williamson contract means and some of the technical details that you might want to know. And every Thursday, we answer your questions. Thursday at 6 p.m. live show right here on YouTube. And now for your second listen, Locked on Saints, Ross Jackson. Awesome. In New Orleans, at training camp every single day, getting you the scoop, giving you the the inside information you need. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Saints and make sure they are your second listen. All right, today on Locked On Pelicans, we are talking about the Southwest Division. Spurs, Rockets, not worried about them. But what about the Dallas Mavericks, right? This is a team that if you're looking at if New Orleans is going to be better than them or not, I could go either way, but there is potential for a lot of problems for them, despite them having a very successful last season in the playoffs, right? They lost Jalen Brunson, who was huge for them last year. Huge for them. They improved in some other areas, but losing Jalen Brunson was big. I don't know if you can make up some of that stuff in the guard position, though I don't know if they're as far off as some people want to say, right? You know, they they improved. I don't love Christian Wood as a player kind of in a vacuum, but he really fits for what the Dallas Mavericks needed at the center position. They needed an upgrade there from Dwight Powell, who in limited minutes in a limited role was a really efficient player for him. And now you're adding in Christian Wood, who has more talent, more three-point shooting to space the court for Luka Doncic. And we'll get into Spencer Dinwiddie here in a second, too. I think that's a big upgrade for him. I don't know if it's enough to make up for Jalen Brunson. And he's also a fairly combustible player, let's call him, right? There's definitely been some off-court kind of personnel issues with him and his role. And, you know, is he a good locker room guy? I'm not entirely sure. All of that stuff, right? He's not good defensively either, but he rebounds well and he can score. They probably need a little more than that to a certain degree, right? You know, their defense was good last year. They were sixth. Is Christian Wood going to hurt them in that capacity, right? Is is he going to be playable in crunch time for the Dallas Mavericks when they need to get stops? Or do you go with a guy like Maxi Kleba? You know, again, sixth best defense last year. How much does Christian Wood potentially knock that down? There's a fly coming at me here as I'm recording, which is super annoying. Then you have Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Now, he's finally going to be fully recovered from his ACL injury, and he finished the season strong. Almost 16 points per game, four assists, and he shot 40% from three. Plus, Christian Wood can shoot threes. Their shooting should be a little bit better. Can Spencer Dinwiddie give you 80% of what Jalen Brunson did? It usually takes two years to recover from those ACL injuries. This is going to be Dinwiddie's second year removed from all of that. So he could be in line for a big season. You know, and then they have... Arguably the most important thing, and there's parallels to the New Orleans Pelicans with this, they're getting kind of an upgraded Luka Doncic in a way, and this dude's already 
really good, right? The Mavericks got off to a very slow start last year, and a big part of that was you could see that Luka wasn't in shape. You know, you could just see he was laboring out there on the court. He wasn't in game shape. It's similar to kind of like Zion this season, right? Where Zion looks really good and looks really good and is doing all the right things. Well, Luca, if you look at him, it looks like almost like a different dude to a certain degree. He's lost a lot of weight. He's going to be in better shape. So if you're getting a great, you know, a more improved Luka Doncic, how far does that take the Dallas Mavericks? But this is a lot of changes for them all at once, basically integrating two new starters. That can lead to some struggles. Christian Wood worries me with just, you know, everything about him. I don't love him as a player. You know, this is a team that was good enough last year and you know would have been better if not for their real slow start I think and they would have liked to have improved on that I'm trying to pull up what their record was last year I kind of put them into about like what they did you know maybe a little bit worse last year they were 52 and 30 I see them taking a slight step back you know I don't know if they're going to end up having some of the success they did where you had the Utah Jazz kind of you know imploding in the playoffs you had the Phoenix Suns that absolutely imploded in the playoffs and then they just got worked by the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals this team's probably primed to take a step back with some of that turnover some of the changes that they've had you know and we'll see but this is a team that is at least on the Pelicans level if not a little bit below them I think but you could convince me the other way so I do think there is potential for them to finish third the Dallas Mavericks in New Orleans to finish at least fourth at least fourth in the Southwest Division. But what about the Memphis Grizzlies? The team last year that was second best in the in the Western Conference in the NBA, though they struggled mightily in the playoffs, where are they going to end up being? What are they going to end up looking like? Let's take a look at that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And if the Pels could be better than the Memphis Grizzlies next season, because they've got some changes coming too. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a comment wherever you get your podcast. And of course, comment down below on YouTube, the number one thing you can do. Some of y'all have fun down there too. There's been some really good discussions too about this Pelicans team and what people are seeing and talking about. So it's kind of ended up being a fun area. So I, I read them every day. I appreciate everyone who takes the time to comment and support the show in any way. So thank you, of course, for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen. So we're looking at where the Pelicans could fall. This is a little bit early. We'll probably do this again before the start of the season. Where the Pelicans could fall in the Southwest Division in the Western Conference. And divisions don't matter as much, right? Because, well, they basically just seed it based on your record. Simple as that. But you still play these teams more so than any other in the NBA, in the association. You're going to play each of them four times. So it's still kind of worth seeing where New Orleans is going to stack up with them. So the Memphis Grizzlies... They're good last year. 56 and 26. They had the fifth best offense, the fourth best defense last season. John Morant put himself firmly on the like superstar track, superstar you know, stage. They're good. They're still gonna be good this year. Jaw is absolutely a superstar in the making. They're well coached by Taylor Jenkins. People know their roles, and they have a lot of depth too. That really was apparent when their record was just ridiculous when John Morant was out injured. And they have a strong culture. If you really kind of wanted to sum it up, 
you know, it just seems like they're a year ahead of where the Pelicans are. Pelicans are maybe a year behind this team improving. And that's actually a good spot for New Orleans to be in because if they can kind of be on this trajectory that Memphis is on with Zion Williamson, who was taken ahead of John Morant, you're in a great spot. You're in a really good spot if that's the case. But they have a huge question mark around them right now, and that is the injury to Jaron Jackson Jr. He's going to be out four to six months. This was about a month ago that they announced this. So what do they do? How do they replace him in the starting lineup? You know, he was a big part of why their defense was fourth best. So you're looking at them already probably taking a step back on that. And he kind of was a big key to a lot of the different things that they did and what made that defense so good. You could move Brandon Clark in there, and that's kind of the natural fit, right? And about kind of just putting your your five best players on the court at the same time. But I think you would then have some spacing issues with him and their center, Steven Adams, formerly of New Orleans. Two non-shooting bigs. Is that the route that you want to go? Clark's looking to add a three-point shot, but he doesn't really have a reliable one just yet. You know, he averaged almost 11 points per game for this team, the Memphis Grizzlies, last year. You know, it's not amazing for them and so that could potentially be a bit of a problem two non-shooting bigs when he can just kind of do dirty work with a second unit might be a little bit better overall but losing jaron jackson jr if you just want to kind of get a right replacement for him brandon clark's that but that does present that issue and how does that impact the offense how does that impact the defense then too you know and i think when you look at some of these other guys that they could throw in there you know dylan brooks is a very big key to them. They they really like what he can do, you know, and what he do, did when healthy for them last year. So when they have him on this roster and when he's playing, he can shut down opposing uh, guards. He's really a really good perimeter defender. He can also guard up because he's got great size too. They play him at the two, but he can play the three. You could even move him to the four. He's six, seven. He's really strong. If you take out, if you put in some other players, does that mean that Dylan Brooks is going to have to start guarding more fours, more guys on the wing, and not be able to be put on the best perimeter player that they are facing? That's not a good position to be in because now it kind of throws everyone's role off, I think. And that creates a lot of issues. Again, they were the fourth best defense last year, largely based off of kind of the roles that people played and could, you know, uh, successfully defend. How much does this Jaron Jackson Jr. injury impact him while he's out? And then when he's back, what level of play is he going to have? And so does this mean they're going to get torched by guards a little bit more if you're forcing Dylan Brooks into other roles? And if that is, that means they could take a step back. And if they're not getting some of those stops, are they able to get out and run and play and kind of do some of the things that they did before that made him so successful? And I'm not sure. They're still likely going to be better than the Pelicans. I don't really doubt that. But at the same point, the same time, right, I do think this is maybe a little bit more open as a division than you would have thought otherwise because of those big question marks around the two best teams that they have and I think that's great for New Orleans a team that's trying to rise up and get better and is going to be in position to be able to do that more so than they would have otherwise so I think New Orleans realistically probably finishes third in the southwest I think you could make a claim for fourth no problem 
And if things really go wrong for the Memphis Grizzlies and they're really missing Jaron Jackson Jr., and maybe they miss him more because of what he does for them defensively than they did John Morant last season, that could open it up. If New Orleans gets an easier schedule and things break well and they don't have you know a terrible start like they love to get off to. We'll see. Let me know. Where do you think they're going to end up finishing? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. Is it third? Is it second? Is it first? I think you can make a reasonable claim for all of those spots. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with y'all Wednesday, next show on Wednesday. See you then.